start to put tension on my string drawback, I was like, okay, I'm gonna it. It's him. You can look at the horns when he's dead. I'm, I'm in, you know, in the zone. Let the arrow go is perfect. Uh, when they lose their front shoulders, yeah, you start, yeah, that's how you know. You're listening to the White Cat Outdoors podcast, bringing you to the table where we talk about the outdoors. Hey everyone. Tom, what are you doing? Just just goofing. Yeah. New boot goofing. We apparently getting real wild. <laughs> just jumped right in there. Well, since you're yeah, talking, Tom, take it what away. episode is it? 66. No, it's not. It is. It is. 66 Tom. episodes of the White Cat Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, co-host, Tom. And tonight in the studio, I have my good brother, Nick. Hey, how's it going? And my good cousin, Frank. What is going on, everybody? And last week, we talked about turkey hunting tactics, what have worked for us. Most of it came from our listeners, so I just want to say... Thank you for engaging with us and giving us some good topics Before to talk about. Before you get about. carried away, Tom, I think we need to sweep the floor a little bit. There's a little house clean, house cleaning we got to go over. Yes, Nick, why don't you go over the housekeeping? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Tom. So, you know, we've been talking about this big giveaway we're giving away. You know, $500 mobile tree stand setup. 17, 17, yeah, cents, cents, a day, 17 cents a day. Uh, but 5 bucks a month, join it in. First 20, you're getting in on that chance. And we got... Uh, Somebody just signed up this week, uh, so I want to give a shout-out to our good buddy over, uh, Mr. Ben Gordonier. Um Glad you like what we're doing, and you want to support it, and we can't thank you enough for that. So, um, best of luck in the giveaway, and there will be a lot more giveaways to come. So, thanks again for that. Um, after floor is pretty much squeaky clean now, Tom, if you want to jump back in. Yeah, basically last week, thanks to our listeners, we had a lot of questions about turkey hunting tactics and what's worked for us so we went over that so we kind of wanted to do a 180 this week and explain what hasn't worked for us turkey troubles if you will and there's been a lot of them yeah yeah because yeah, i know the last podcast we just kept bringing up you know this worked for us this worked for us this worked for us but um it doesn't always work that way unless you're trevor coon <laughs> <laughs> trevor's got some pretty good hunts under his belt uh That'd be a fun podcast. It would be. But you have to have them around. Yeah. Have to, I, yeah, we couldn't do a call in. No, no, no way. No, not today. No. No, I'm saying like I Ever. wouldn't do a Yeah, no. Yeah, it Trevor would, have to would be, be in person. person. Thousand percent. Um, but yeah, so like Tom had mentioned, we're gonna break down some turkey troubles we've had over the years and hopefully can kinda dive into them a little bit deeper and figure out why it didn't work and you guys can learn from it. Yeah. That way you guys don't make our silly mistakes and in so facto, more turkeys dead this year. Yes. So, I so guess where, where are we starting here? Who's well? I mean, first one off the top of my head, I can think of um, that was me and Tom setting up on some turkeys. This was probably two seasons ago. Now, um, we had put some birds to bed, which we had talked about on the last mm-hmm. podcast, and how always a good idea. Yeah, if you put them to bed, helps you get you know that much closer to them yeah but sometimes you can get a little too close uh <laughs> so 
Tom and I roosted these birds, uh, went back to camp, you know, laid out our plan, picked almost the exact tree we were going to get to and got in there nice and early set up. And as the sun just started coming up, uh, Tom and I noticed a black silhouette up in the tree that resembled the shape of a turkey. Hmm. Um, and then as it got a little bit lighter, we noticed there two more shapes of turkeys and they were not far at all. I mean, in shotgun range from the ground. Like we, that's when you start <laughs> blasting. Uh, that's not ethical, Frank. Yeah. yeah. Would never was, do such, that was a joke. Never it do could such have been thing. done. Could have been done. Yeah. But we wouldn't because that's just not our style. We like to play by the rules. Uh, anyways, so as it gets light, we watch these birds. And what we did do right is we didn't do any calling. Um, mm-hmm. The birds were right there. There was no need for us to call. So we just waited for them to fly down. And actually what happened is they flew directly overhead. I mean, like right over top of us and landed directly 180 degrees behind us in, in shotgun range. But you know, it's in, tough to make a move like that on a turkey to get a shot. Yeah, if it's in shotgun range, you're not scooting 180 yards around a tree. 180 degrees. That's a, That's big, a big tree. tree. <laughs> you said you're not going to scoot 180 yards around a tree. Yeah, it was a big tree. Either that <laughs> or you're running a lot of circles around <laughs> a small tree. Yeah, that too. <laughs> 180 degrees around yeah. a tree. So me and Tom had to kind of just looked at each other like, well, this sucks. Mm-hmm. And I think we tried calling a little bit, but I think the birds knew that they had been had yeah. and they worked their way away from us. Um, so that was kind of frustrating. And what I learned from that was not to get too close. Yeah. Um, I think how you could kind of prevent that from happening is if you can do some preseason scouting and watch where the birds pitch down, don't sit exactly where they're pitching down. Yeah. You kind of want to be... It, ultimately, if you could set yourself up 30 yards from where they pitch down, so they pitch down 30 yards in front of you, that would be that would be great. We should work like that every time. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, birds are very patternable. A lot of times they will roost in the same tree and pitch down into the same area mm-hmm. and then work their way to the same strut zone. So you can, you know, set up in hopes that they pitch down right in front of you, which I, that would probably work really well, but you definitely got to do your scouting. Yeah. And the other issue with that is, like, I don't know how this didn't happen because um, it has happened to me before on different occasions when you try and sneak in too close to the roost and blow them out of the roost. Mm-hmm. And that, that uh, kind of hoses you big time. Well, it's, we were in stealth mode, that's why. Yeah. yeah we, well, we knew that we were right in on them, like just not that close. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, it was actually a pretty narrow stretch of timber that we were hunting. And I think that was part of our issue was that. Did you put those birds to bed? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We roosted them, but like from the road, like it was. Uh, so you weren't in there. You didn't. We didn't watch them fly them up. Afar. No, we didn't okay. watch them fly up. Okay. We basically. We just knew they were. The, the woods is probably 200 yards deep by 400 yards long. It's not. Okay. A big stretch of woods. We just listened from from the road, mm-hmm. waited for them to kind of fly up, and mm-hmm. then got out. So we knew like general area. Yeah. That they were and um, set up. And you weren't general enough. No, we were, we were too close. Yeah, too close. But yeah, if you're gonna make the sneak and get right in on the roost, you definitely got to do it early. You don't want to be trying to sneak in there just as the sun's coming up. Mm-hmm. Because they'll uh, they'll pick you out and you'll bust them out of the roost and then it's yeah tough to get them to talk after that yeah 
I've never done it. No. Um, the next scenario I want to go over is actually probably our biggest fault. Um, and it's Tom and Frank's, your guys' yeah. long Thanks history. Thanks for pointing the finger. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, I mean, well, what I said, I, yeah, I no, said we, it happens a lot is because me and Tom are guilty of this exact yeah, same thing. I think everybody is. Um, but I think if we can break it down, because you guys have been doing this similar hunt for a long time and always, it, what, what do they say? Similar. A dollar, it's, it's a, day, a day long, dollar short or something. What? What's the saying? What? There's a saying. A day late and a dollar short. Yeah. yeah. yeah I don't they're... know how that has anything to do with this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm, not really. Not quite. Just throwing in a nice saying there. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I wasn't even there, so you guys break it down. <laughs> so what this boils down to is patience. Yeah. And every time we do this particular hunt, we are way too impatient with it. And no matter how many times we do it, we still get too impatient and... We get screwed in the end. Okay, because it looks really good on paper. So there's this particular cornfield we like to hunt up in the New York state. And we know at like 9 o'clock every morning, these birds come out into the field. Right at this blind that we have set up. All we have to do is sit there till 9 o'clock and wait for them to come out. But for those of you guys that turkey hunt, you know it gets light at like 6 o'clock. And that is a very long three hours yeah especially when we can hear them gobbling you know from like 300 yards out you know we can hear them coming and coming and coming and i think what gets us every time is we hear them from 300 then we hear them at two then 150 and then they shut up and then we'll hear like a different bird like 300 yards away and we're like ah we got to go. They're peacing out. We got to go. I so, don't know why they've done the same thing every morning, but they're doing something different today. Yeah. So we go after them every time, and we just like make a big circle following gobbles right back to where we were sitting before. And then see that they're already in the field, and you're yeah. like, son of a bitch. Yeah. If we would have just stayed there, we knew what they were doing, but we talked ourselves out of that plan and ended up without birds. So basically like a obviously patience but a quiet bird does not mean an uninterested bird exactly i think is a good thing to take away from that yeah um, mature toms just because they're not talking doesn't mean that they're not interested yeah they can still be coming fast even if they're quiet yeah well joe and i we it was two weeks ago when we brought on grimaldi our hunt um, those birds were dead silent until they were 60 yards out yeah and that's um, like the same spot it's the other end of the field like we're Tom and I have this same hunt, and mm-hmm. it was about the same time you guys killed those birds is when Tom and I would normally see them in that field. So you guys basically did what we did, but you did it right. You Well, we, yeah, meaning we drank too much the night before, got out late. Yeah, and sometimes that's the way to do it. That Some of the most successful hunts are because of too much drinking the night before, and you got out late. Yeah, and set up on, like, th- those birds were dead silent, like, mm-hmm. almost getting ready to consider a move. Yeah, and um, that's how me and Tom get what we do every year. And I think the fact that we had drank the night before was the reason we did not get up and move because we didn't feel like moving. <laughs> yeah, and so Joe, if you're an impatient hunter, make sure you do something the night before that's going to slow you down. <laughs> that's good. That is a pro tip. That is definitely a pro tip. Years uh, of practice on that one. For sure. Um, I know Tom and I have gotten extremely impatient on birds before and actually moved in um, – so close like called to a bird called to a bird you know he's gobbling 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 then he shuts up mm-hmm. and this is before tom and i started using that uh back up and then run in yeah. tactic which 
is really useful. We kind of, um, I think we came up with that trick because of this hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, we were hunting behind my granddad's and had a bird that was really vocal. And then all of a sudden he shut up. Tom and I, I felt like we waited 45 minutes. Yeah. But if it feel, feels like it was 45 it was minutes, 10. it was probably 20. <laughs> yeah. And we decided that, well, that bird's got to be uninterested. And this is in our younger years too. Mm-hmm. Um, way more. I, I'm still impatient turkey hunting, but this is even worse. I don't know why, but like when I'm deer hunting, I'm a super, super patient deer hunter. Sit all day. Yeah. And like Turkey's nothing could be going on. 20 minutes. I'm ready to move. Same here. I, when it comes to <laughs> turkey hunting, I'm like, let's wrap this shit up. Like yeah. there's gotta be birds somewhere else. Let's go. So Tom and I decided to make a move and start working back towards where this bird was. And, uh, we get up over this little knoll on the creek bottom, and doesn't that bird just take off the other way? I mean, he, <laughs> he was he, right there. He was probably 75 yards from where we originally set up, and mm-hmm. he flew out. I mean, we had barely moved. We stood yeah. up, picked up our decoys, and there started heading went. that direction. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> um, so I think like that's probably a big thing to learn um, in general is just patience. Yeah. And, sit tight and i and i picked up a lot of that from my grandpa too because i mean as you get older you know a lot more about hunting and stuff my grandpa's mm-hmm. very patient with birds yeah um but he's he's seen a thing or two if you will we know uh, a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two <laughs> there you go that sent that saying makes sense here <laughs> yes it does <laughs> uh isn't like a state farm or I think it's state farmers farm. only or yeah, no, farmers I don't, insurance. It's definitely not the farmers farm, the, only. <laughs> yeah, not, not farmers only, but the farmers insurance. We are farmers. Bump it, bump it, bump it. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, not farmers only. Yeah, though. not farmers only. Not a dating website. <laughs> Close though. Plenty of fish. They've probably seen a thing or two as well. <laughs> You're right about that, Tom. Many, many plentiful, fruitful harvests. Uh, back, anyway, back, back to the topic. Uh, the other. I guess scenario that I've had, I've got burned on twice and I think it's the last time I'll have it happen. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, no, cause this one's easily correctable. And I just want to talk about this one. Calling birds uphill, um, can be very difficult, yeah. but one thing I, because I've, this has screwed me twice and I've taken note both times and basically I'm not going to let it happen a third time. Um, when you're calling a bird up a hill, you have to make sure that you are in gun range or bow range, whatever you're hunting with, of the edge of that hill. Um, because I've seen too many times, twice, which is too many for me. Too, too uh, many. A big gobbler coming up, got him to successfully come up the hill, and he pokes his just barely enough of his head up over that hill, and he will look back and forth. If he does not see the hen, he is 180 right back down the hill, and he will not talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like I said, I've had that happen twice where I was set up, thought I, and this, I was not using decoys either time. So that is part of the issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, it could but be I was different set, if you had decoys. Yeah, I was set up too far off the hill and I couldn't get a shot and it cost me a turkey both times. Um, I had the one bird was inside 15 yards and I, by the time I could get a shot, he was sitting over my buddy's shoulder and couldn't get, or I guess it wasn't 15, it's probably like 20. But still, like it was not an ethical shot. Yeah. Um, but so when you're setting up on hillsides and you're trying to call a bird up the hill, make sure you can shoot right at that crest of the hill where it drops down, because that's where he that big tom is going to stop there, 
and peek around. If it's not, if the hen that's been calling to him is not visible, he's leaving very Losing fast. interest fast. Very quick. Tom, Tom and I had that happen to us before, and it, I mean, it's you got probably five seconds. Yeah. If he does not see a hen, he's gone. I think the best way to go about this is if you're like on top of a hill, and you know you hear a bird hammer your call, and he's down on the other side of the hill. I think the best thing to do would be like stay where you're at, call again so like he knows exactly where you're at, get him to gobble back, and then move right to the edge of the hill and sit down. Stay quiet. Yeah, looking down the hill and just stay quiet. That way when he's working his way up the hill to where he thinks that hen is, you intercepted him 40 yards before he even expects to see the hen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, those are the big ones for me. Calling uh, on the roost. That's another big one. Why don't you talk about that? Because you had, um, you've actually made a, a tactic change. And I yourself. did briefly touch on it last week, but I think it's just important to talk about it again. When in the natural Turkey woods, when a gobbler gobbles on the roost and he hears his hens answer back, it's natural for the hens to fly down first and go to the gobbler. Once the gobbler sees the hens underneath his tree is when he pitches down. So if you are got a gobbler and you're calling and he's hammering back and you're calling and he's hammering back, in that gobbler's mind, you're coming to him and he's just going to hang up in that tree and wait for that hen to come in, which it's never going to because it's you. And then he's going to think okay something's up this hen should have been here and he's probably mm-hmm. going to pitch down and shut up because yeah okay, so i got a question to throw at you um if for some reason somebody were heading out of state and they were going into a block of timber that they've never been in would you call in the morning i would use locator calls i wouldn't use a hen call so you would like early morning while they're still in the roost you would what would you do i guess you're we're, we're going out of state in a couple weeks yeah um we're going to be going into timber we've never hunted before. What's your plans for the morning hunt? Owl hoot. Owl hoot in the, on the roost? Yeah. Try to, cause, Just a shock gobble. Yeah, because we're not going to get there until Friday night well after dark. We're not going to have an opportunity to try and Yeah, that's what I'm talking about because I know um, I call when they're on the roost. And I'm just I'm curious to what your plan is Yeah, um, I would for, try for an with, area that you didn't get to. Uh, roost birds. Yeah, I would try and get them to shot gobble with either a crow call or an owl hoop, just so I can locate where they're at, and which will help me with my first initial setup. But then, you know, we're going to hunt Saturday morning, obviously, and then I, I plan on the rest of the day Saturday scouting, trying to figure out as much information about the area as I can. Yeah, we'll break down that whole trip before we go. Um but I just, when are you guys leaving for that? Uh, opening weekend, which is April 24th for Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. I had a dream about that last night. Did a lot it of go birds well? dead? No, a lot of people in the woods. Like, I bet your dream's pretty spot on. <laughs> no, I'm really hoping it's not spot on. There yeah. was literally like groups of 60, 70 people. All, Damn, it was sure like, that's not going to be It right. was like opening day of trout with your turkey season. <laughs> Yeah, every be, tree is shoulder to shoulder. That could be wild. Yeah, I was a little irritated, but it turns out it was just a dream. I'm hoping that's not the case. 
I'd be shocked if it was. Yeah. That's going to be a fun little hunt for sure. But Definitely. like I said, we'll break that down more. That's I just wanted to bring up that because it's easy to not call in the morning if you know where the birds are, but if you're hunting well, uncharted like, territory. When we went to Maryland a couple of years ago, we got in kind of late when the birds had already roosted, and we just kind of walked up and down the road. It was like right after they would have roosted, so they yeah. were still talking a little bit, so we just walked up and down the road, and we were like where we were at, it wasn't like you're walking on a main road. It was back in. I mean, it's like a camp road. Yeah, basically, it was just a one-lane dirt like road through the mountains. Path, much, yeah, yeah, basically, four-wheel drive was the only way you were getting through there. Put it that yeah. way. Yeah. So we just walked up and down those roads and just tried to hear the birds talking a little bit. And me and Tom located some that were still talking a lot and gobbling a little bit, and they were roosted. But it helped us locate them the night before, even though we couldn't really put them to bed per se because they were already roosted but we did we were able to locate them gotcha yeah that's a good good point because they it's not like they shut up when they hit the tree yeah they keep talking i mean keith found a turkey feather on that walk we did i think that was me and you oh that was you it was like 100 yards from camp down the hill i told i knew we were in the turkey woods (laughs) so trying to think of any other um fallen trees for whatever reason can be a, a Bitch. Old fence lines and yeah, fence Crick lines. Crick bottoms, yeah. For whatever, well, I guess what I'm getting at here is turkeys. For whatever reason, you can bring a bird 200 yards through the woods, and the stupidest thing will hang that bird up. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, and I think my personal opinion: if you don't, you don't want to put any obstacles yeah, in between, I like totally your direct agree. line between a turkey and and obviously, like you can't predict what's out there. 200 yards away but if you're talking that something out there in gun range 40 yards 50 mm-hmm. yards somewhere that's like just on that edge get somewhere where that's not your yeah issue i've too many times i've had birds get hung up on a stupid log mm-hmm. and they they kind of look around they do their strut circle right at that log and then they walk the other way yeah it's especially it's really easy to like combat that when you said something about like ravines if you look at topo maps where you're hunting because mm-hmm. that was where we're at in northwest pa you don't have a lot of hills and ravines you have a couple but for the most part you're not Pretty, really it's, dealing it's with, like more rolling hill than yeah anything. you're not you don't have any like deep guts or anything but in maryland was where i really saw this for sure like maryland was tough terrain it was very hard and you would have birds a hundred yards away, but there would be a deep ravine between you and them. And the ravine, it would only the birds would only have to cover very little ground to, or they could fly across in twenty yards. It was nothing for them to get across it, but it was almost impossible to call those birds over, you know, from ridge to ridge. Yeah, it wasn't far, but they would not do it. They'd come to the edge to where of their you ridge. could see them on their ridge. And then they'd peace out. They're like, yeah, I'm not going over there. Yeah, so like if you, like you saying with using topo maps, you can find those shallow, um, mm-hmm. basically where the two ridges tie into each other. Yeah, And exactly. try and coerce the bird to come in down there where it's an easy, like, transition. Because mm-hmm. the, the ravines stop somewhere. Yeah. You know, and you can kind of work around the fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, and Keith and I had that almost work, but we set up too far off the edge of the ridge, and that's what mm-hmm. happened there. Um and then even uh, we've had issues calling them out of fields. Like we've snuck up yeah. two field edges 
Um, that's another issue I haven't quite calling them into a field. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, you almost have to be in the area they are. Like, mm-hmm. I it's they hard. don't want to change where they are. Yeah, they're okay them. moving through timber, but if you're trying to call them out of timber into the field, I it unless you have decoys. Yeah, decoys. Which I'm gonna I'm getting into the decoy game this year. Um, picked up some good decoys and I'm gonna give it a try. Been doing a lot of reading on I I for. For years, all I did with decoys was like I figured I needed, you know, a Jake and two hens year round. Didn't matter. Yeah. Um, and the more I read, there's different times of the season when you know just a gobbler is sufficient, or mm-hmm. you know, a breeding pair. So I'm gonna try some different things. Um, the only thing I'm worried about is public land and using like gobbler decoys. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, a good way to get them shot. Yeah, I, I mean, you would think somebody if. If you think you're smart enough to get inside range on a turkey that hasn't moved since you spotted it. Or made a sound. Or, yeah. Um, the sound's about 30 yards that way, but I'm pretty sure it's him. Yeah. And he hasn't moved position, but it's it's, it's him. him. He's been holding full strut for a half hour. He's it's probably him. It's a common thing turkeys do. Yeah. So I'm a little weary, but people are idiots. Yeah. So. You can never be too careful, especially when you're turkey hunting, because people do get land. stupid turkey yeah. hunting. That's why that reaping is illegal in a lot of states. Yeah. I would love to reap a turkey. Yeah, that would um, be a lot. of. It's definitely legal in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and I, I don't know about Ohio, but I, I we're know. hunting public, and I'm not reaping I would on never do it on public <laughs> land. I would never do it on public <laughs> what, land. Is that when you, like, stalk them with the decoy? Yeah, when you're, like, behind the decoy. It's It seems very effective, especially on aggressive birds. Mm-hmm. Um I I don't know how well it would work in PA just because of all the pressure that we have, but yeah, they, I've, I've heard, seen a lot of videos of it working other places, but I feel like they're a lot less pressured yeah. birds. I've heard from Westerners that if you can kill a bird in PA, you can kill a bird anywhere just because of, yeah. and and I think that's just due to pressure. Um, I, any, I totally agree. It, I'm sure New York's got to be very similar. New York's turkey pressure is very, mm-hmm. very high. Um I mean, opening weekend in Maryland was not that busy. Me and no. Keith are the only ones that ran into another hunter, and we hunted four or five days. Yeah, me and no, me and Tom saw like one person walking like a hundred yards away from us, but we didn't mm-hmm. run into anyone like face to face. Like, yeah, interrupt. We never got a hunt interrupted. Yeah, we never had a hunt interrupted. Um, we came up to a guy just after he had killed. Yeah. Um, but like in PA or New York, you can almost guarantee that if you you're on public, a... yeah, you're going to run into people. Yeah. I, I've ran into people in private. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. And I was like, still, I was young hunting with my dad. And we were calling, and there was a guy probably 80 yards away calling. Mind you, we're on my grandpa's property. Like, this yeah. is, nobody else is on there. My dad's like, oh, hey, there's a hen out there. Like, maybe there's a gobbler and stuff. And next thing I noticed, I noticed like a flash of orange by this tree and i'm like dad i think that's another hunter and he's like no 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 like we're on grandpa's property like they're like no one's i was young enough to where he didn't like didn't think i knew you know property boundary kind of thing i'm like yeah i think there's another guy over there and he's like well wave your hat at him so i like pulled my orange hat out on my back um because at the time you needed like an orange hat or something i don't walking in yeah Yeah. they they change it every year yeah you're supposed to have like something on your tree when you're sitting yeah there's a lot of it changes every year but anyway at this time you needed an orange hat while walking and that was it Mm -hmm. um so i flashed my hat out and son of a bitch flashes his hat my dad's like what the hell is this (laughs) uh so just because you're on private land does not mean you're alone just yeah i guess that's yeah so you should definitely always 
be careful. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any other troubles that we've had? I mean, there's tons, but I think it it all boils down. Patience is the biggest thing. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have any other bullet points. I guess that's the biggest for me is patience, and I lack patience for turkey. I hunting. totally lack patience, and I will tell people all day long that you have to be patient with turkeys, but I. I can't see myself being patient with turkeys anytime in the near future. You talk, no matter your, how you much talk I yourself try. into being able to sneak in on them very easily. Yeah. Like, oh, they're way out there. I can easily, you know, 50 yards, that's nothing. I can, we can move yeah. them 50. It's easy. It's, yeah, do it all the time. <laughs> then you blow birds out. Yeah. It's great. It's wild. Um, Tom, so yeah, I, totally just be patient. Yeah, patience. Um, I, I want to talk to Tom a little bit about his change with his um, cutting his calling back, too. Cause that's something that I've struggled with is calling too much. And I want to just bring it up to Tom. Like I know you've significantly cut your calling back and have like, where did, I guess, where did you get that idea? Or is that come kind of back to your natural um, way of Turkey? Yeah. Basically when I'm in the Turkey woods, one of the best things you can do is, call in hens or listen to hens yeah to gain knowledge on you know how they're interacting with each other because if basically you want to be as realistic as possible and there's nothing more realistic than an actual hen and an old hen is about the hardest thing to call in yeah if you can call in a hen you can call in any gobbler mm -hmm. um, but basically anytime I hear a hen I take note of you know what she did what she's doing her cadence her cadence um and basically i just try and emulate that um it took, the most fun hunt i ever had was me and you and yeah i know exactly what you're talking about we had a gobbler going he was coming and then he was probably 150 maybe out and about 80 yards in front of us a hen like just started clucking a little bit making a little bit of noise and we're like damn it like Hunt shot. Yeah, at that point, you know it's over. So Tom started hammering. Just he was started talking to the hen, not the gobbler anymore. He was straight to the hen, and I've never seen a turkey get so fired up as this hen did. She went insane. That's a that's one thing I've heard to irritate hens is cut their call off. Mm -hmm. um, that like you turkeys are aggressive. They really yeah. are. Um, I've I've heard that tactic work to get gobblers to come in as you cut that uh hen off yeah like she starts talking cut her off mm -hmm. and that's what tom kept doing like anytime she spoke he hammered back even harder and the gobbler was going nuts the hen was going nuts and we never like really saw either bird we kind of like they're way out there and mm -hmm. you'd see a flash of feather but it, it was so much fun and we didn't kill a bird but just to hear how everyone was interacting was so cool tom and i had a similar scenario happen uh we were hunting together and we had put birds to bed that night. So we knew where they were at. We set up below them and we heard the first gobble, probably second or third gobble. And then Tom or I, I don't remember which one of us just gave out just a few soft yelps just to let the gobbler know where we were. Turns out there was a hen up there and that hen got so pissed. I swear to God did not shut up until they hit the ground <laughs> for like, I would say 15 minutes solid. That hen talked. Yeah. She was so pissed that we tried stepping Who in dare? on her. Yeah. It, oh, it was 
Me and Tom were like laughing at each other because it was like insane. I've never That's seen. That's how we were when that had. We were like every time he would make a sound and she would go nuts. We would just look at each other and we're trying not to laugh because it was just nuts. Yeah. yeah. So if you ever get intercepted by a hen, which if you spend any amount of time in the woods, it will happen. I think the best thing to do is yeah to call to the hen, try and get her irritated, try and call her in because if you can call the hen in, odds are you know the gobbler is going to be following her. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's worked for dad, or worked more for me because dad was calling. I killed my first gobbler mm-hmm. from him doing that. But even if you don't bring the birds in, it's still a good time. It's a great time, and you, and learn, you learn how they interact. Yeah. Well, I figure we'll wrap this up here then. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like we've got more troubles than success when it comes to turkey hunting. Yeah. It comes right back down. I think Tom said it for deer hunting a lot, but time in the woods equals mm-hmm. success. Um, Turkeys are dumb animals. I will stick by that, but they outsmart me every time. Um, <laughs> Says a lot for you. Yeah, I, but I mean, they are. They're yeah. Turkeys can be dumb, but they outsmart humans mm-hmm. way more than they get killed. They're dumb, but they know what they're doing. They, yeah, their only thing is survival. That's all they have to. They, that's all yeah. they care about, survival. And if that means breeding, if that means eating, or not getting shot in the face. Um, and they are pretty darn good at it. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> Next week, we're going to be doing some more turkey talking, but we're bringing in some turk spurts. Turk spurts. Uh, <laughs> um, so that'll be a lot of fun. Bounce some ideas off of some guys that got a lot more experience than us. Uh, a lot more long beards on their on their wall. But uh, until then, make sure you guys are you know getting out there, scouting some birds, and uh, putting them to bed, figuring out where they're at, and turn it into a dead gobbler. Uh, until then, make sure you guys are all getting outside.